0: I'm sorry, Rhonda, that my love and my passion is way greater than yours will ever be. Don't dismiss me for the love that you don't have for our industry.
1: Welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and at this particular point in time, there is a very real possibility I'm about 37,000 feet above the United States, flying to Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Money in the Bank Eve. We are going to tear it down, no doubt about it. Streaming live WWE on Peacock, one of the can't miss events of the year for WWE, and of course, We've got you covered. I can't break this thing down without my uh, sidekick. He is the Roland to my Johnny Rose, the voice of NXT 2.0, Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word? I do I have to be Roland? Roland.
2: Yeah, why do I have to be him?
1: Do you watch Schitt's Creek?
2: Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. but You are definitely Roland. Ah, come on.
1: If I had to take all of the traits that make me enjoy your human existence... And put them on another human being, it would be rolling.
2: that That is very fair. You do look well rested, by the way, for someone who has just come from Laredo, Texas this week, because those who don't realize how difficult it is to get to Laredo, it is the right before you cross into Mexico, you make a right and you're at the hotel.
1: You, you can literally throw a stone into Over, Mexico yeah. from any point in Laredo, Texas. And it was uh, it was a bit taxing getting there this week, Vic. I mean, uh, obviously, the, the world has gotten more or less back to normal and left the right. airline industry in the dust. Uh, wow. I got stuck in Dallas. I ended up spending the night in Dallas, had to fly to San Antonio, and then drive to Laredo because on a list of difficult places to get in the world, There's Mars and Laredo, Texas. Laredo, Texas. (laughs) A
3: close second. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water. all-inclusive, or relaxing spa weekend. You can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app.
4: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details.
1: We had ourselves a time, we had celebrated celebration, yeah. 20 years of John Cena. I said something to the effect on the air, it was one of the loudest reactions I've ever been present to granted smaller arena. We're not talking WrestleMania stadium echoing noise, but as far as a standard Monday night, raw arena feeling like the roof was going to come off when John Cena made his entrance. It was one of those moments, man, that you you just realize that's why he's the goat. That reaction was what it's all about. An arena full of people on their feet, screaming at the top of their lungs at the sight and mere presence of John Cena, absolutely awesome to be a part of. Obviously, money in the bank continue to take shape. We've got some new additions to the men's and women's ladder matches. It's all going down tomorrow. Vic, off the top of your head, I'm not going to spend the entire episode doing pick' right. and deciding who we think is going to win what. I need a men's and a women's winner of the money in the bank ladder matches
2: Go. Uh, women's, I will go with Liv Morgan. She just is the name that pops the top of my head. Someone who's very deserving. Someone who I think is driven. Someone who I think is going to take that next step this Saturday. For the men, I, I don't know how you can go against Omas. Seven foot three. He doesn't even need to climb a rung to reach up and grab the briefcase. I, I just,
1: it's definitely an interesting situation. Know. We've seen some big men, so to speak, over the years. Yeah. In Money in the bank ladder matches. Not a in great the ladder success hold, Omos? rate. That's what I'm curious about. It, there, there are so many just curiosity factors with Omas's involvement. Uh, just to give my side of things, I, you can't bet against Seth freaking Rollins. That's and true, too. he's already responsible for the greatest cash-in in WWE history. It's no secret what a fan I am of what Rollins is doing and how highly he's functioning right now. Got to go with Seth. On the other side of the coin, how does Becky Lynch not win? Becky Lynch has got to win. Lynch has, has unraveled since WrestleMania. She's still doing amazing work on television, even in defeat. But is this like do or die for Becky Lynch? Does Becky Lynch have the ability to make it back to the pinnacle of the women's division as she was for so long if she doesn't win the Money in the Bank ladder match? And from the sounds of it, you got Liv picked.
2: It's hard to argue, but look, the same reason that I pick Liv, you can pick Becky Lynch, obviously. She's driven. She wants to prove those wrong. She wants to get back to the top of the mountain, so to speak. Liv Morgan wants to just get to the top of the mountain. It's been a journey for so long, and she's been so damn close so many different times that I just believe everything lines up in Las Vegas for Liv.
1: I can't argue with you. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm generally just asking questions. Of course, if you're listening, we want you to join the conversation. Use the hashtag after the bell, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think, who your pick to win the men and women's money in the bank ladder matches are. Uh, We will keep an eye on those going forward. But Vic, as we were discussing the 20 years of John Cena prior to coming on the air today, Our producer Alex brought to light the fact that we are 26 years removed from another epic event, an epic event that I'm going to go on the record before you even know what it is and say that it is one of, if not the most important moments in WWE history. Alex, would you uh, care to enlighten the good ATB listeners? June 23rd, 1996 was the King of the
4: Ring 1996. And while there, there was a certain superstar crown King of the Ring that night, that was not the most important event that happened that night. It was a few lines uttered that everybody would come to know as and, and what would be for the next, you know, 26 years, Austin 316
1: unbelievable it's been that long talk about making right feel Feel old old. I remember watching as it happened absolutely as as we all do and and Alex you're a bit of a a historian as far as this business goes Vic I know you've grown up loving this in my opinion the Austin 316 promo is the most important promo in the history of our business and I'm going to tell you why there are plenty of great promos There are plenty of promos that will live on forever within the realm of our industry. Austin 316 was the perfect snapshot of our world at the time. And I think that's why it resonated the way it did. Stone Cold Steve Austin had not yet caught fire. Yes, he became king of the ring. But Austin was not the dude yet. Austin was Maybe taking the first step. Think of what the King of the Ring meant at the time. That was the the launch pad, so to speak. Right? You you have somebody become King of the Ring, like an like an Owen Hart, who would then grow into a bigger role. But this was not about Austin. Austin had just defeated Jake the Snake Roberts, who was as beloved as anybody at the time. And obviously, Jake using his real life demons and issues and and channeling them into that current iteration of himself, Jake Roberts was was the good guy. Jake was the guy you should have been rooting for. He he was trying to turn his life around, trying to keep his demons at bay. And what better way to do that than a successful showing in the King of the Ring? And then Austin comes out and drops some straight up blasphemy. And within what felt like hours, the entire world was buzzing. Austin 316. Well,
2: is a 1996, how old was I? 10 or 11 years old, sitting back and just hearing someone say, ass, you're like what? Oh, <laughs> he said what? I'm not supposed to hear that. You know that's that's what I remember the most is sitting back, going, wait a minute, he's not supposed to say that. And there was such a realism behind it. But you're right, the time capsule of the world at that moment was captured so perfectly in one phrase, it, in more or less a time spot. It ushered in the attitude era, and think of what was big at the time.
1: This was Jerry Springer, Crash TV, and it wasn't even in its final form that we would get to know it as and what it would become as you know prime WWE attitude era but this was the first time that i think a lot of people went that wasn't supposed to happen and right. i'm really interested in this guy and yes he what he did was blasphemous he took a bible verse and turned it around and everyone went yes this is awesome it was just a testament to the time and the way the world was and shortly thereafter you would have south park setting the world on fire. And you would see Cartman 316 shirts. I mean, Austin 316, not only from a merchandising perspective, which I think is probably... You have to check on this, Alex. One of, if not the best-selling T-shirts in the history of the game, no? Yeah, there's nothing to check there. That's a a, a point. I mean,
4: Corey, you mentioned this, uh, or you actually wore it on the show last week, the uh, Pittsburgh Yinzers 316 T-shirt. That was literally made, like,
1: last time the RAW was in Pittsburgh, like, in 2022. They're still selling them. People still want it. People still talk about it. People still clamor for it. But let me ask you this. I'm going to get a little little more deep. I know how every once in a while we like to do the what ifs and and rebooking the territory. Alex, the time frame of this. Sure. Set me up what WCW was doing around the
4: same time frame. So King of the Ring 96 took place, as I mentioned, on June 23rd. So the Bash at the Beach 96, where Hogan would be revealed as the third man, was July 7th, 1996. So literally a week or two later so we hadn't quite gotten to like the the nwo really catching fire and the t-shirts and everything that was happening over there on wcw but they were still beating raw and there was a lot of intrigue going into that pay-per-view because we had a couple months of hall and nash showing up on nitro every week and everybody watching at home thinking oh wow i thought these guys were were wwe guys so 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 to set everything up we're still we're not quite there yet with the nwo but wcw is definitely the hotter product at the time there's no no doubt about it.
1: So WCW is is running red hot. We're all confused as to what's going on with Hall and Nash, why they're on Nitro. And it's really sort of blown up the, the fourth wall of, of WWE, WCW sports entertainment at the time, where the business end of things was starting to be exposed a little bit. And it was certainly intriguing, creating a ton of intrigue and interest in WCW. Hearing the timeline, this is my question. And again, I want you, the listeners, to weigh in on this. If Austin doesn't cut the Austin 316 promo at King of the Ring when he does. Knowing that Hogan joining the NWO is going to happen just a few weeks later, would WCW have left WWE in the dust altogether as far as being the cool, relevant, hip product? Had Austin not gone into business for himself and spouted out this amazing phrase that just captivated everyone and went... That's cool. There's I don't know what. I, yeah, I like WCW, but did you see Stone Cold Steve Austin and Austin? Like, did you hear that? It it resonated and like I said, almost instantly. Signs all through the arenas. Austin people making their own Austin three sixteen shirts before they were even available. If the NWO caught fire as we now know it would have, without Austin breaking out that night, because I don't think anybody would disagree, Austin himself included, without that promo stone cold does not reach the heights that he does stone cold does not become the flag bearer of wwe and the face of the company and get the involvement with mike tyson if austin 316 doesn't happen when it does does wcw win the monday night war in relatively short order
2: i think it's a great question and it's a nice what if and i'm very interested in the responses but it was something else that alex just said he talked about hall and nash and a couple of weeks prior and you talked about Hogan being the third man in NWO. I look at WWE at the time. Let's say Austin doesn't cut that promo. And if memory suits me right, Alex, you just told us about 20 minutes ago, the Ultimate Warrior was on the poster for that King of the Ring. Right, the promotional poster that like they would make for these, and they still do
4: to these days for the for the uh, the premium live events or back then as the pay per views. Uh, they always seem to highlight you know whoever is 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 hot at the time, and they were really on top of Warrior's big return here in the summer of '96. He was facing Jerry Lawler in a match on the pay per view, but he was the mo- the sole person on the promotional poster. So WWE was all in on Warrior's return back then.
2: And I look at that, and then I think of looking at what happened on that card, even the dark matches, the new Rockers. You know, Marty Jannetty and Leaf Cassidy, no disrespect to either of those guys. And Aldo Montoya, the Portuguese man of war, was on a, a dark match. And Wild Man Mark Marrow. I don't know if the WWE can catch fire with the NWO with uh, that sort of. I would say it
1: sounds I guess. In hindsight, of course, hindsight always being 2020. WWE got caught a little flat footed, utilizing a lot of the same sort of comic booky, cartoonish characters that were hot and popular in the late 80s. Beginning of the 90s, business wasn't great. But we're talking about the curtain call. And Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, before Hall and Nash went to WCW as the Outsiders, it's of course the curtain call, Madison Square Garden, where sure. Triple H is present. Was this the year that allegedly Triple H was going to be the dude in the King of the Ring tournament? Yes, 100%. April 96 was the curtain call. So let me okay. go back even further. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep unpeeling this onion. While now, again, 316 promo of the utmost importance for WWE. But does the the Holland Nash leaving WWE not open the door for all this to happen? Because if Triple H is still the guy that was planned to win the WWE King of the Ring that year, everything would have been business as usual. Instead, Triple H, and this is public knowledge, he's talked about it, we, this is n- nothing, you know, too inside baseball, was punished for his role in that, that curtain call at MSG, standing there with his friends, seeing them off. Couldn't punish Shawn Michaels, he was the champion, he was the guy at the time. That's right. So Hunter Hunter effectively ate that crap sandwich for everybody, but Hall and Nash essentially started the dominoes falling by leaving. So if Hall and Nash don't leave, do we get Austin three sixteen? This is just one of those things. It's fun to speculate. I'm just, I'm, I don't know. Obviously, they're going to do what they're going to do in WCW and the NWO. Even at the time, if you listen to Eric Bischoff's podcast, it went through a bunch of different ideas and wasn't going to be Sting. It ended up being Hogan. It caught fire. That's undeniable. But if Hall and Nash stay in WWE, maybe they're participating in the King of the Ring tournament. Maybe they have matches. Triple H maybe wins the King of the Ring tournament, and Austin is, you know, floundering or or having a decent match, trying to figure it out. Maybe Scott Hall, moment. maybe get
4: maybe Scott Hall gets that elusive world championship right. at some point that he never got in his career if he stayed,
2: you know. And if they never go, there is no NWO. So does WCW ever catch fire? And does WWE just stay the same course exactly. through '96 do they, along do they with just WCW?
1: Remain stagnant and WCW? Yeah, does the business ever truly experience that explosion? I, I did. I think you have to give the credit to some point to Hall Nash. Without them leaving, I don't think Austin 316 ever happens. Austin 316 happens and changes the game.
2: That's definitely where the dominoes start to fall as, as you bring it out. And and look, then you can really look down the line. Because look, we all know what the NWO did. you know. But without that Austin 316 promo in that period in time, what happens to D-Generation X? Uh, what happens to The Rock, The Nation of Domination? All these magical moments we get later on. And it's really cool to go back and pinpoint the curtain call.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm what's saying. interesting in this entire thing. Until I was having this conversation out loud, my brain never even went down that path. But okay, so let's say it does happen, everything does happen according to plan. Austin is still in the King of the Ring, but he doesn't cut that promo. Do you have that ace main event player that Austin would become in a matter of months without that that initial
4: spark? I don't think so, but here's the thing about Austin, right? I think we need to give him, I mean, of course, one of the greatest of all time, a WWE Hall of Famer. We need to give him a little bit of credit here in the fact that I think there was something about Austin that was, that was somewhat inevitable in the sense of like, here's a guy who was really you know, he, he paid his dues and was doing so much in the business. And when he came to WWE at that point in time, he was just, he was looking for that next, that next big thing. And because of what we know about Steve, because of how talented he is, because of what he ended up becoming, there is something that I think eventually, no matter where he was, he was going to find that bit. And it just happened to be this promo where he was supposed to be a heel and he turned himself babyface overnight right. with this thing.
1: And I don't disagree That's with what anything that you just said. I think on a long enough timeline, Austin would surely have become a star but not when he did and not to the magnitude that he did had it not been for him kind of doing things his own way better to ask for forgiveness than permission right Right. and acts you know by accident or unintentionally he creates a phenomenon that here we are 26 years later still talking about in my opinion for my money most important promo of all time
2: who was just in one of the main events of wrestlemania Exactly. And, 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 you know what I mean? I mean, you're feeling it today still, literally, just a, a few months ago. And it, that period of time, too, I think Office Space came out in, like, what, 97, 98? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And who at that time as an adult didn't want to punch their boss in the mouth? And you turn on, boop, Monday Night Raw, and there's this, I don't want to say anti-hero, but there's Stone Cold Steve Austin stunning Mr. But, McMahon. But you don't and it's like, even what? get there. You don't even get there
1: without the words Austin 316. Maybe years down the line, maybe after WCW has kicked our ass for a few years, or or maybe, maybe WWE doesn't even exist. Maybe then Austin goes back to WCW and becomes a megastar, to your point, Alex, because it was in him inherently. I'm just saying, for the ripple effect that was caused by one promo, it has never happened to the level and magnitude that the Austin 316 promo...
2: Definitely, to me, as, as we brought this out, is is in the conversation of most important promos ever ever cut. And for Steve Austin himself, I, I now I'm starting to think about the day, the King of the Ring. Alex, he got busted in the face, did he not? So yes. he's coming back wrestling multiple times. He's got stitches in his mouth, on his lip. Then he cuts this huge promo. How could you not like? gravitate to this guy by circumstance just by looking at the guy like holy crap what did he just say and was he supposed to say it I prob- absolutely not we've heard the stories on that too so graves i hate to admit when you're right i'm
4: basically always right <laughs> the the first match in the king of the ring semifinal was with him and mark marrow they went about 17 minutes and steve got got busted up pretty bad in that match and had to run to the hospital he got stitched up they brought him back and
1: that's that's when this this all happened. I mean because it was a perfect storm. It was perfect timing of where society was, where our fans were, where it wasn't the plan to to have Stone Cold end up where he was, but it just caught fire because it resonated with people watching who were hardcore fans. It got interest from people who weren't sure what the hell Austin 316 meant, but the ripple effect still being talked about to this day. I can't believe it's 26 years ago.
2: You got asked um doc hendricks what was going through his mind in that moment like he stood up on the stage and he just like oh no like you see his eyes at some point and like oh he like turns over to the camera i mean it was just oh doc was great during the whole thing he was he was awesome i gotta go I back and watch about that. it I,
1: I, it's so wild so wild to think about a lot to think about in the past but more to be excited about in the immediate future particularly for our guest this week Natalia. We, like the rest of the WWE Universe, anxiously awaiting your showdown with Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship tomorrow night in Las Vegas. The last time we saw you and Ronda interacting on WWE television was very, very different. When Ronda first showed up, you more or less took Ronda under your wing, sort of showed her the ropes, got Ronda comfortable in the WWE environment. Now, that all seems to be out the window. We've been following on social media. Are you guys okay? Are you still friends?
0: (laughs) Um, that's a great question. I mean, sorry, TJ is getting something in the kitchen. Um, that's a great great question. What's up, TJ, 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 you want to say hello?
3: Come on, say hello, TJ. The the, the
1: best guests bring surprise guests with him.
0: TJ, good morning. Put his shirt on, you're embarrassing (laughs) me right now. Come on. I got my buffer. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, Rhonda and I, we were really close friends. I actually trained with Rhonda and um, helped her before she ever even signed a WWE contract. I remember getting off of an of a overseas tour. We were on an overseas tour, and I um, flew straight from the tour and met with her at a place called Santino's in um, California, in Los Angeles, and um, we had we, that was the start of our you know sort of private training sessions that we had together, and in those sessions that I have with Rhonda, I just, I realized something really special about her that, you know, yes, she's an Olympic athlete. Yes, she's she's a pioneer for women in MMA. She 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 literally put women's MMA on the map. There might not be women in MMA without Ronda Rousey. So sure. she did that. Um, but I realized in training with her that she had, she's just so naturally gifted. I, I could show her something once and she would pick it up. Like it was literally like, it was, it was like, she, I, I knew that she just had a knack for it. And, and you can feel that in certain people. And I I think Rhonda has been compared to Kurt Angle a lot in the way that he just picked it up like that. Everything came very, very easy for Rhonda. And for me, it was for my own experience. It was the complete opposite. Um, things take a little longer for me to understand and to learn and to grasp. And of course I've been doing this since I was 18 years old, but with Rhonda, I think that because she picked it up so fast and because she was so naturally good at it, there was an arrogance about her. Um, and she and I were great. We were great when she got signed. I I took her under my wing in WWE made sure that everybody in the locker room felt comfortable with her. And I think the girls felt more comfortable with Rhonda when they saw that I endorsed Rhonda, when Natty endorses someone, because I've been tried and true in WWE and I'm proud of that. I've been there for 15 years. I'm, I'm, I I'm, have experienced the girls trust me. So when they see that I trust Rhonda, I like Rhonda, I let Rhonda into our world, it kind of softened them up into liking Rhonda. So, so we were very, very close friends. And I think some of that changed a little bit when she came back because I think without being a jerk,
1: not nah, be a jerk, Natty. Come on. That's, we yeah. like jerks on this show. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah let it fly. I, I think
0: there's I think Rhonda, I think Rhonda's really arrogant. And I think that she, it's it's funny because she just last week on SmackDown uh, dismissed me for she said, you know, you 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 didn't want to have kids. You put wrestling first. Well, actually, maybe I don't want to have kids. Maybe that's not what I want in my life. And I don't think I should be shamed for that. I, I don't, I've never, ever, ever wanted to be a mom. It's just never been in my heart but don't dismiss every single thing that I've done in this industry. I'm sorry, Rhonda, that my love and my passion is way greater than yours will ever be. And because you're so naturally good at something that, that makes you arrogant, but don't dismiss me for the love that you don't have for our industry. That That's really how I feel.
1: Understandably. So, and it, I, the way you, explain that it, it's something that resonates not only with me but a lot of us in this business who have dedicated our lives to sports entertainment to your points since you've been 18 years old this is all you've known all you've loved you've been an integral part of wwe's women's division for many many years now you've seen superstars come in you've seen superstars go to what do you credit your ability to maintain your position in wwe and how do you deal with the flavors of the month so to speak
0: Wow. (laughs) I mean, for me, I I believe in being consistent. I believe in being reliable. I believe in being there for the company. I love what I do. I've grown up around this my entire life. Uh, My dad, my dad was fired by WWE like five times. Um, And it's not a sob story at all. It's just was the truth. Growing up, my dad couldn't hold down his job in WWE, um, while my uncles Brett and, and Owen and Davey, they were able to kind of sustain a longer, more successful career. My dad really, really struggled to keep his job. Um, because he he battled a lot of demons. And I grew up with that. My whole life, I grew up with that instability of my dad doing great, my dad losing his job, my dad doing great, my dad losing his job. So for me as an adult and, and getting into the industry, I had this different perspective than every other girl or guy. I greatly wanted to succeed in an industry that my parent <laughs> struggled at. I <clears throat> love the connection that my dad and I have together in the ring, but you know we, share that, we shared that bond. Um, but I know that my dad struggled to, to have success in, the, in, in this industry. So it gave me this different perspective that I had to succeed in it, that I had to be perfect, that I had to be there for everyone, that I had to be good at everything that I had to leave no stone unturned, that I had to make Vince McMahon happy at every single corner of my career. So, uh, God, it makes me emotional talking about it, but I kind of became the company girl. And that's actually something I've never really talked about before, but it's true. I became the company girl. The girl, you need her to fart on TV, she'll do it. You need her to be a babyface tonight, she'll do it. You need her to be a heel tonight, she'll do it. You need her to wrestle dewdrop on the other show, even though she's on SmackDown, she'll do it. She'll, she'll do whatever you need. You need a match in 10 seconds, she'll do it. You need a match in three seconds, she'll do it. Natty is the company girl. And I, I've been that way for so long and it's definitely kept me in WWE for 15 years. Talent, drive, passion, work ethic, being reliable, being consistent. But in some ways it's actually hurt me too because I've been the girl that's been afraid to take risks. I've been the girl that's afraid of pissing anyone off backstage. I want to please everyone, especially Vince McMahon. But <laughs> this feud with Rhonda, this storyline with Rhonda, whether, you know, it's, it's, maybe, it's, it's maybe gotten a little real. Maybe that's the best thing for me um, because Rhonda underestimating me, Rhonda doubting me, Rhonda dismissing my passion, my love for this industry, Rhonda making fun of my face, uh, Rhonda making fun of my sister, Rhonda making fun of the things that I do that aren't even related to pro wrestling it's pissed me off and it's made me go, you know what? I don't really want to be a company girl. I want to show everybody that I'm terrible at a million things, but this one thing, this one thing that I do in WWE as a superstar, I'm really, really good at this. And it's time for me to just unleash. It's time for me to stop trying to be perfect for everyone. It's time for me to go off the script a little bit. It's time for me to piss a few people off, including Ronda Rousey. And, you know, she can smile at me dismissively and act like I don't count and act like I'm an enhancement talent and act like I'm not on her level, as she put it, non-charismatic, not worthy of being in the ring with her, not a main event player, boring, this, that, and everything else. But at the end of the day, I am still standing. And she's really not one to judge talent because there's quite a few people that she knows that aren't still standing today. I'm still standing in WWE.
3: but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier. Thanks to the hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family friendly, right? All inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the hotels.com app.
1: On May 10th kingdom of the planet of the apes, is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere.
0: What a wonderful day!
1: This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time
4: to my village. I know where they're taking your clan.
1: Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. How do you deal with detractors who, like Ronda Rousey, say, okay, Natalia, you're only still here because you're a company girl. You're here because you you, you need a warm body. You've occupied that role, and to your point, you've excelled at it for, for however many years you've been on the main roster, and it's a difficult spot to be in. How do you keep your own head clear, knowing how frustrating this place can be and the grind and how much you put into it. And you maybe you don't feel like you're getting your just do. And take Ronda Rossi out of the equation. Just Natalia the superstar, Natty the person, the human being, how do you deal with not always getting the spotlight you so believe you deserve?
0: Well, it's funny because I talked with a lot of the girls in the locker room, especially the ones that I'm really close to about this. And I just really haven't given up hope. Because every day I wake up and every single time I get on a plane and every single time I walk into an arena, I think something, this could be the day that something changes. This could be the day, this could be the day that everything changes. And I've seen that phenomenon for so many people like Steve Austin, like Bret Hart. I mean, Bret Hart was told that he was never going to make it. Vince McMahon didn't even want to make eye contact with Bret Hart when he first met him later on, he would become one, Brett would become one of Vince's most valuable players in the industry. And and Brett's still iconic and still so talked about today when, when Brett was, was once dismissed, Steve Austin was once dismissed, Becky Lynch was once dismissed. Um, I, I just, I enter every day thinking that this could be the day that something changes. And also we're all kind of in it together. You see people even at the top of the food chain and you, you know, I'm backstage with a lot of them and, we're all kind of going through the same thing. You hear, you know, you know, Seth Rollins has his struggles or Becky Lynch has her struggles or Charlotte Flair feels, that, feels the strong way about this or you know, somebody else feels like they should be doing that. Or we all want things to be better because we're all passionate about our work. And I, I do get concerned about people that aren't nervous before a match. I do get concerned about people that are just happy all the time. It, it, sometimes it's important to get a little pissed off. Sometimes it's, it, it's important to say, I want more. It's for me like that nervousness of going out there to perform, it never goes away. Ever. It's weird. And I I know that people have said it before, like Ric Flair has said, you know, once that nervous feeling stops, you gotta stop doing it. But to me, like that's still there. And and I love I love it. I thrive off of it. It's like if you could bottle up that nervous energy and like sell it, it'd be like the craziest, you know. diet supplement in the world. But um, for me, I just have hope that one day things will change. And like, I never have stopped working hard towards that change.
2: You know, I, w- I want to be honest, with everyone listening right now, you came down to NXT not too long ago, and you and I had a conversation in a hallway, you know, before the show, and it got real honest. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because you are speaking with so much passion right now. And you looked at me and you said, Vic, do you realize the women's division goes through me? And I... kind of looked at you and you go, no, think about this. Charlotte Flair, Becky, the names, they all face me when they come up. Does that just drive you more? Does that piss you off even more that really, oh, hey, we we know you're good enough to do this being back to the company person. Yeah. Have a great match. Show them, get them up where they need to be. I mean, how does that piss you off
0: at the end of the day? To me, like, it, it can piss you off if you let it. But for me, I've said it before and, I, and I'll, it's worth saying again. Um, I believe that I am the root of greatness in the women's division in WWE. And it's, it's not coming from a place of being smug or being full of myself or conceited. It's, it's true. Every woman that has done, uh, <laughs> really great things in WWE with the exception of Bianca, because Bianca and I haven't actually really had a program together or worked that much together, but these women have started working with me. They, they started their career like Charlotte flair, for example. You know, I, I had a match in 2014 with her that when nobody believed in her, it, when people were like, you know, she's good, she's athletic, she's Rick's daughter, and, and even Ashley had her doubts. You know, I remember having a heart-to-heart with Ashley, and she was like, I just feel like I have such big shoes to fill with my dad, and I just don't, like, I don't know, I just feel like I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not enough. And I remember having this heart to heart with her saying the second that I started blazing my own trail in WWE was the second that I started realizing my potential. And so the coolest part of that match with Ashley Charlotte was that Triple H gave us no restraints. He literally said, you guys won't have a time limit. It was the first time in my WWE career that I had anybody say, just go out there and do your thing. Go out there. Make magic, Natty. Make sure Ashley doesn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Ashley rose to the occasion. Charlotte rose to the occasion. Triple H, let us have our time. We went like over twenty minutes. We weren't rushed. We had a time to tell a story. I could just be me without being afraid. And it was like, again, I felt so proud that I could pass that torch on to Charlotte. But I do feel proud of the women that I've worked with that I've been able to help elevate, and Rhonda is no different. I've held Rhonda by the hand. And, and I'll do it again. I'll, I'll do it again at Money in the Bank when I tap her out and put her in the sharpshooter. She's never been tapped out before, but nobody knows her weaknesses like I do. And I and sorry, sorry to ramble on, but it is worth saying that the one person that helped me train for that match against Charlotte Flair at NXT TakeOver in 2014 was Shayna Baszler. I flew to LA, trained with Shayna privately, and Shayna helped me learned submission reversals to the figure four. And she helped me kind of fine tune my sharpshooter. So I think, I think in some ways I do have that advantage. And I think also that pisses Rhonda off that, you know, Shayna and I have become really close. So it's, but it is something that I'm very like proud of having the help of another woman who I feel is very strong in what she does.
1: I think you have absolutely every right to be very proud of, of being something of a star maker in this business. And obviously your focus is on Ronda Rousey tomorrow at money in the bank. But as you look across the landscape, Vic mentioned you were down in NXT, you competed against some of NXT's women's division, even someone like a Bianca Belair who you haven't locked up with. When you look across the landscape, who catches Natalia's eye right now?
0: If I was to look at like, especially because I worked in NXT for the last six weeks, um, you know, a few months ago, I had the chance to be there for, for a while. And I even had some private training sessions with the girls, uh, which was really, really cool because I just wanted to see for myself who's good, who has potential, who has it in them, who has it in them, not just a good drop kick. who has like the heart to get through this, who has the heart to work through a broken ankle, who has the heart to persevere when the chips are down. Because it's easy to do great work when the chips are up. Sure. But when the chips are down and sorry to say this, but when it's hitting the fan, who is going to rise to the occasion because that is when you do your best work. And I noticed like, there was a few women that really caught my eye first loved working with Cora. I thought she was awesome. She was so open to like learning and, and trying different things and just being more aggressive and just being like vulnerable. And the, and the second that she found herself more vulnerable and, and open to like showing that vulnerability, especially in front of the world, people really started to feel something for her. I thought that her selling had improved so much. I really enjoyed working with her Um, I really saw a lot like it's funny because we always say don't judge a book by its cover and it's easy to be on the outside. I come from a wrestling family. I've been around this my whole life. I I can be snobby at times where I'm like, well, this girl doesn't like wrestling or she didn't grow up watching this or, you know, is this her passion?
1: And that's a a pretty common mentality. A lot of people have. I I think back to my days in FCW when it was, uh, you know, Seth Rollins and Ambrose and Sami Zayn and Cesaro and all these guys who had We had all become friends because we put in our time on the Indies. So when a happy Corbin shows up from the NFL, all of us were kind of like, all right, this guy, he's just here because he wants a paycheck. Screw this. But he won everybody over through tireless effort and showing that, yeah, he may not have come from this world, but he developed the passion. He wants to learn. And, And the list now of superstars like that, of that ilk are just as long as superstars that have put in their time on the Indies or grown up around this. How have you had to adjust your mentality as the the elder stateswoman of the women's division
0: again these are things i don't usually talk about but you guys bring up such good thought-provoking stuff um like for example the bella twins the bella twins started the same week as i did in wwe everybody judged them everybody was like they're models they're you know they're only here because they're pretty even me i was like they're models they're like what these girls don't love wrestling they they really proved me wrong. Uh, they they worked so hard. They like stayed late. They came early. They did all this extra stuff that I was like, whoa. They may not have grown up as like lifelong addicts of pro wrestling, but they like changed my mind. And they ended up lasting longer than some of the ones that like came from the independency. They showed right, right. passion. Um, I, I noticed that with a few people where I was like, you know, online, if you see like Tiffany Stratton's yeah. Instagram page or Tiffany Stratton's Twitter page, I would, when it, before I even met her, I was like, this girl doesn't like wrestling. This girl's a model. She's pretty. She got hired because she's pretty. I had a practice with her. We had a, I had a private session with like 10 women from NXT. I went back home and I said to TJ, my husband, I was like, Tiffany's really good. I was like, I really like Tiffany. I think she's like, I think she's got something about her. Like she just, she put a different spin onto things. And then she would, she would ask me for advice after she was like asking to pick my brain. She's like, what should I do with this? And what can I do to be better? And I'd love to to work more with you. Uh, Another one that really impressed me was Nikita. Uh, Nikita, like she was just so easy to work with. She was open to learning. She wanted to try different things. She was, she wanted to be challenged. And again, I was like, this girl is just a pretty girl and who knows what her background is. Lash, Lash legend, I was like, we had, we had a match together and she like did some stuff that like impressed me. And I was like, gosh, here I was before I ever met them, not judging them, but going, "Mm, I don't know if these girls have it in them. Then I get a chance to work with them and they totally changed my mind about them. Of course, you know, I'm a huge fan of Theo. I'm a huge fan of Kaylee Ray. I think that Kaylee has something really, really special about her, especially being a leader. I think Kaylee brings like a lot of leadership skills. I know her name is different now. Vic, what's her name? Alba Fire. You know, I see a lot, a lot of leadership skills in her, great attitude, and just love and a passion. I think at NXT you need that. You need you need to have a diverse group of people. You need player coaches like a like a um, you know like a Seth Rollins type who's grown up, love this. Like a T.J. Wilson, they they love this. They've grown up around it, and then you can bring in people that never did this growing up, that were that were you know not on the independent scene, um, and then you blend those two. So you know you can't have. A Charlotte Flair without an Natalia to make sure that she understands the ins and outs. You can't have, you know, certain people. Like when I look at Bianca Belair, Bianca had a chance to work with some really extraordinary women that helped guide her, get her to where she needed to be Bailey being one of them. Um, and, and Bailey helped so much kind of make sure that Bianca, like, you know, she kind of got it. So you need those player coaches so much, but I see a lot of really, really talented people down at NXT that I think are, are going to be great. I can't wait to work with them. And uh, Tatum. I do want to give Tatum a shout out. Tatum was awesome to work with. Before I worked with Tatum, I was like, okay, girl was a power lifter. I don't know if she really likes pro wrestling. Let's see what I can do. She impressed the out of me. She was so good. She, I started wanting to train with her more privately. So she has come and started training with me privately in the dungeon. And TJ and I were like, this girl's going to be really good. So there's just been a few down there that I see like passion and heart and I see them really loving the business and just being so open to learning. So it's, it's really cool to see.
2: Is that kind of what drove you to come to NXT? I mean, how did that whole ball start rolling? Was it to be able to get your hands on some of these women and start to mold them?
0: Well, Sean Michaels had asked me to come down. Um, There was a request from him. And of course, Sean has been like so great to me that I was like, I would love to, like, I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you guys have me going to NXT and, You know, I've like to me, to me, I don't really think anybody thinks that when they get asked to go to NXT, but people can look at it still with that connotation that NXT is sort of developmental. For me, I always look at it, look at it as a huge opportunity. It was a huge opportunity for me to like show the world something different. And I'm always chomping at the bit to speak more. So I was, you know, I was like, I really want to go down there and compete, but I also want to speak more. I want to do more promos. I want to do more speaking stuff because I never really get to speak that much on SmackDown. So for me, like to be asked to go to NXT, I saw so many different ways for myself to grow. Um, Because the second that we stop growing, not just in WWE, but just whatever we're doing in our life, if we're not growing anymore, it's time to move on to something else. And just because I've been in WWE for over 14 years doesn't mean that I don't want to grow. I don't want to evolve. I look at Randy Orton. I look at John Cena. I look at people that have been there in WWE way longer than me, and they never stop wanting to change and grow and be better. So that was really the driving force for me to go down there.
1: Well, it sounds like you've obviously embraced this role that you've taken, whether it was your choice to or not, as sort of the locker room leader for the women's division so much so that sean michaels is requesting your presence i know it's different growing up in the hart family that's that made it seem a little more normal to you than most of us but you're saying oh yeah sean michaels called and asked me to come help train like you have to realize the magnitude of that oh
2: yeah sean just called me and said hey you mind coming on down and i'm like i guess i can get rid of the cats for a day and i'll show up and (laughs) like.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Sean Sean reached out to the um, powers that be that run WWE and said, "I want I want Natty to come down here and, and do a program." So I was thrilled because you know I never know if there's <laughs> I never fully know if there's like tension with Sean and like I, not that like I don't think he has tension with me, but. The thing with john and brett like i don't think that i think it, it's sort of gone away but i always feel like it's sort of always going to be there because it's something that was so deeply personal to both right, right. um so but i but i really like sean and i always tell the story but growing up i had this huge crush on john when i was like 10 years old my sisters <laughs> and i love the rockers we were like we just love them
1: blasphemy in the hard house <laughs>
0: <laughs> no
1: but, but talk to me a little bit more about your role As the locker room leader that you have grown into, and and I dare say you could ask any woman on either roster who has interacted with you, it's pretty much the, the general consensus that, yes, Natalia is who we go to when we need advice, when we are unsure of what we're doing with our career. If you had to give Natalia at 18 years old some advice that you have learned after all these years and growing into this new role, what would it be?
0: It would definitely be to stop caring so much about what everybody else thinks, um, especially in this day and age with social media. Tons of people hate me. Tons of people love me. Tons of people don't feel a thing about me. Like some people don't give a flying rat's ass about me. <laughs> Sorry, my language has been awful.
1: I love it. This is a keep this yeah, fire I mean, for great. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah,
0: because <laughs> I've been around TJ too much, we're constantly swearing in this house. <laughs> There's people that like you, hate you, and feel indifferent about you. That's great. That's great. I wish I could have told my younger self, stop trying to please everyone. Don't you, you're going to have so many different producers. You're going to have so many different people that are in charge. You're going to have so many different girls to please. But at the end of the day, like you got to do what feels authentic to you. And, um, even for my tryout, just trying to get hired by WWE. I like worried myself sick about just trying to be perfect. I was trying to be skinny. I was trying to be tan. I was trying to look like a fitness model. I was trying to be a Barbie doll. I was trying to learn how to dance. I was trying to, Be like, I need to look like this, I need to do that. It's like, no, I I actually just needed to be me. And when I started just being myself and not worrying about what everybody else, you know, thinks about me, it's when I really started to do my best work. And I and I want people to really realize that. I actually told that to Nikita when I was at NXT. I was like, we were having like a heart to heart about something, and I was like, I love your body. I was like, you have such a beautiful body. I was like, people just love that. I said you don't realize how many men especially love women with curves don't feel like you have to change you look badass and she has just something special about her because she's really different it's not to take away from somebody that has a beautiful body or uh or a different type of body or who's really tall or really big or really short or really it's just about being different it's about being yourself right
1: our business our company is a buffet there's right. got to be something for everybody and she's going to fill a, a, a market or a, a fandom, a fan a base for, for that, a niche perhaps. And yeah. I've already seen it on social media. So you're absolutely right. And she
0: just, she embraces it. She lo- she loves being curvy, loves being sexy. It's such a good example to show other women that we don't have to be real thin. If you are really thin, that's great. But if you're not like for me, I'm, I'm about 160 pounds. Um, I used to be so scared of that number. I used to be like, terrified of ever like even talking about that number. Um, you know, and most, most professional athletes, most, most of us have come close to having eating disorders or have struggled with eating disorders, especially women in sports. Um, I know Bianca has talked about it. I know Alexa Bliss has talked about it, but so many women in our locker room have talked about like struggling with body image and eating disorders. And for me, when I was 18, 19, I, I had really like serious eating disorder. And I look back on that time and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't look good. I wasn't happy and I wasn't healthy. And now that I'm 40 pounds heavier, and am strong. I work out every other day. Sometimes I work out every day. Just what I do when I feel good. If I want to work really hard that day, I push myself. If I, if I don't feel great, I don't beat myself up anymore. If I have a piece of pie after dinner or a piece of cake for a birthday, I'm okay with it. But it, we can be really hard on ourselves for body image when people aren't really looking that closely at us as closely as we're looking at ourselves. So I think it's important also for women to know, especially in WWE, like, like you were saying, Corey, is that you have a, we have a buffet of different women in different shapes, sizes, you know, races, religions, ethnicities, you know, people with different sexual orientations and all sorts of just different backgrounds. And people love that. People want that. People crave that and society needs to, to see how much we embrace that in
1: WWE. Right. How how did you get to that point? How did you, as Natty the human being, reach that place where you went? Okay, it's not about that because that's. We, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to what you're saying. I, I I happen to live with one who has been through all of the all of the the gamuts that that come with being in the public eye and being a woman and having to deal with that. How did Natalia reach that point to where you went? You know what? I'm just going to be me.
0: Well, for me, like, you know. My eating disorder started um, after my uncle passed away. Uh, and it was a very tragic time for our family. After my uncle Owen passed away, I should clarify that. But after Owen passed away, I like our whole family just went through this like really traumatic time. And for me, it was about like gaining control. I was trying in some way in my life to gain control. And so like that summer, I had lost um 40 pounds in like two months, and it was really extreme. And I went through this like struggle for about three years and I didn't see any problem. I didn't see, like, I couldn't see it. And now when I look back at photos and I look back at things, I'm like, gosh, I can't believe I lived that life. I can't believe that was me. The thing that changed for me, the turning point for me, um, was wrestling. It was when I decided that I wanted to start wrestling that I realized that I couldn't be that skinny. I right. couldn't like, I was wearing kids clothes. I was so, skinny. it's a
1: durability factor as well.
0: <laughs> I couldn't do it. I, yeah. I couldn't bump. And we were hosting, that was my first experience in in pro wrestling was hosting um this show. Actually, Eric Bishop was in charge of it. Um, It was called Matt. Rats. It was the Matt rats. And I was going to ask yeah. you if
1: that was the one. Yeah.
0: And I remember like my cousins, Teddy Hart and Harry Smith. Um, Of course, our good friend, Jack Evans, Jack, uh, yeah. TJ, who's now my husband, they wanted me to do this run-in in the, in the, in the show. It was like, I had to do like a dragon Rana off the top rope. I actually had the footage of this to do a dragon Rana off the top rope onto TJ. And like, it was like a big move. Yeah. And I remember practicing and training and trying to do it. And I, and I did it, but I remember everything really hurt because I had no meat on me. I, had, I was just like emaciated. So I realized like, I love this wrestling thing. I want to do this wrestling thing. I feel this, but I can't do it if I'm anorexic. Like, I just can't do it. My body can't sustain it. So it was like wrestling was really what, like, I feel like changed my life and changed my career. It kind of saved my life um, because I wanted something so much more than something else. Like, I wanted to get, I wanted to succeed in wrestling more than I wanted to be skinny. And so everything changed for me after I kind of made that decision and came to that realization that I couldn't be skinny and wrestle. Like, I couldn't be real thin.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Like I said, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can relate to that, and that's that's one of the the other battles about this business that people don't often talk about. But it, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, it's 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 good for people to talk about it and be open about it because, like to me, I just use it as a tool to like I love being able to share that story with other people. That because they're not they're not sob stories. It's just like I've been through it. Right. I, like, right. And, and sometimes that's why when I see girls going through, like I don't like the way my body looks, you know, in the locker room or they're trying on stuff or they're not happy. like to me, I'm always like, don't worry. Nobody's looking at it as closely as you are. And what makes us really sexy is confidence. What makes us look really good and really attractive is confidence. Now that I'm 40 pounds heavier than I was when I was anorexic, I I just have a different confidence about me that like, I don't care about a a little, like looking a little heavier. I I just want to be good in the ring. And of course we aesthetically want to look beautiful, but that comes with confidence. Confidence is the most sexy accessory that you can have. I
2: love that. That's a powerful message, Natty, to be frank and honest for those that are listening right now. Yeah,
1: no doubt about it. Now, obviously, Natty, you're feeling confident. You're looking fantastic. You are challenging for the SmackDown Women's Championship tomorrow in Las Vegas. What changes about Friday night's SmackDown? What changes about the women's division on SmackDown with Natalia as the new SmackDown Women's Champion?
0: Well, it's just my destiny. And for me, I believe that destiny is always chasing. And like I, I mentioned earlier, walking into the building. And I believe that when I walk into the building for money in the bank, that is going to be the day that everything changes for me. That is going to be the accumulation of 15 years in WWE, including developmental of blood, sweat, tears, and determination. Um, and and really persevering through so many dark times to get to where I am today and to be the first woman in history to tap out Ronda Rousey. And I hope her mom is watching because we're going to set some new records at Money in the Bank.
1: Absolutely love it. Can't wait to watch it. I will be there and we will all be watching very, very closely. Good luck tomorrow, Natty. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. You are always welcome on ATV. This was incredible.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you, Vic Corey, I, I really appreciate you guys.
1: That was one of the more revealing conversations I've ever had with Natalia. Uh,
2: I, I agree, and it's pretty telling for someone who, as she mentioned, been in the WWE for 15 years, to still be able to come on whatever the program may be, whatever the podcast is, and reveal stuff about herself. And you could tell the emotion is there in her. So, you know, hats off to Natalia for opening up with us here on After the Bell.
1: Yeah, no, my big takeaway was how focused Natalia is and how she's not impressed by Ronda Rousey and I wouldn't be completely surprised if Natalia somehow knocks off Ronda Rousey tomorrow in Vegas. I will be there live and in person to watch it all and in between I will be making sure to enjoy all of the sights and sounds that Sin City has to offer. Vic, I know you won't be there. It's probably good for my uh, own well-being and marriage. That you will not be <laughs> in Vegas with me this weekend. And uh,
2: what are you trying to say? You right know now?
1: exactly what I'm talking uh, about. And, uh, at least you can follow along on social media, as you should be following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph WWE. Join the conversation. We've asked for you to weigh in on several things this week. Use the hashtag After the Bell so we can check out your thoughts. Make sure you're listening for free on Spotify. Just search after the bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, a new Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank. I guess it'd be Ms. but either way, or WWE after the bell. Ms. M-S, as in M-I-Z. not decisive as their marital status. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Miz. God, learn your manners.